Welcome to Streets and Eats, the podcast where we want to inspire your next trip by telling you about some fantastic destinations and, of course, the best food to eat while you're there. But remember, until the world is open completely and you feel safe to travel again, just use this time to research and plan. That's why we're giving you some travel tips and stories to keep you thinking about travel because pretty soon we're all going to be out there having fun. So this week, um, we're going to be talking about part two of our road trip podcast that we started last week. We've got more tips and advice for planning your road trip and some great ideas for awesome road trips around the world. So let's start with the planning. I think that's kind of where we left off last week. So when I'm planning, of course, well, we're streets and eats, so we should talk about the eats. I like to start thinking about the food first. You mean what you're going to eat or where you're going to eat? or what, where? You know, sometimes the road trip is to a food destination. Maybe a farmer's market is that you're heading to, or in Italy, an agriturismo, where you're going to spend the night and eat a fantastic farm-to-table meal. Or maybe these are some ones that I want to do. Like next on my list is to do the Hatch Chili Festival down in New Mexico. That just happened a couple of weeks ago, and oh, I just wanted to be there so bad. And another one I really want to do is in Louisiana, and it's like the Boudin Trail, where you're looking for all the homemade sausages that people make in the area. Right. When, so you're right. A lot of times, especially for you and me, the road trip itself is the dust is about food. food. Based. It's a, yeah. However, so, but that's not the only food planning that you need to make for a road trip. You do need to eat on a road trip. And I mean, we've been in some situations where finding a place to eat has been pretty tricky. So you have to have a good idea of where you're going, what's available. And do you need to bring something to, uh, you know, tide you over on the way there? I can remember one road trip we were taking with some friends. Remember that one in, in I think it was in Gordian? In Turkey. In Turkey. And Gordian is this ancient city uh, where King Midas was the ruler. And it's these really incredible ruins that are just kind of out in the middle of nowhere. That no one ever goes to. Yeah. And they're they're usually deserted. They're one forgotten. or two other visitors. The the uh the grounds guard is there and they'll usually open the gate for you if it's closed. But other than that, you're on your own. And in this case, I think there yeah, there is one small little cafe in the area, but it's it takes you quite a while just to get out there. Uh, and driving around the countryside in Turkey, especially in that area, when you're hungry, you better have food because you're not going to just pull off and, you know, get a McDonald's worst case. That's not an option. So on this particular trip, I had thought ahead. I planned like we always recommend. And I made two gallon size Ziploc bags full of my personal favorite trail mix, you know, uh, the deluxe mixed nuts. I don't like a lot of peanuts in my trail mix. Peanut M and M's. Like you were gonna say that next, I was like, I don't like peanuts, but I want those peanut M and M's. If I'm gonna have peanuts, it's gonna be peanut M and M's because you need a little chocolate taste too. Cranberries, cram, dry cranberries or raisins, maybe some uh, fruit chips, banana chips, dried fruit, that type of thing. Uh, yeah, this Whatever was a you great. Want. Great it was a good mix. mix, and we were with what three other people? Yeah, we had three me. friends so we had a with car us. Full, and I'm driving around the whole time, 
and our three friends are in the back, you're in the front, and we're just having great conversations. We're stopping here, we're stopping there, we're taking photographs, we're being chased by huge Turkish sh- shepherd, shepherd dogs, dogs uh, rolling through villages, you know, just having fun. And I get a little hungry, a little peckish. And I said, well, you know, I did, we did bring some trail mix. Can you guys pass up a bag of trail mix? Well, here, this was like three hours into the day, maybe four hours into the day. They pass up the bag and there's only two small handfuls left. So while I did plan and I brought some snacks, clearly it wasn't enough. So really you have to keep that in mind and maybe trail mix you know, when there's no meals to be had, isn't really an option. In that isn't c- enough. I wouldn't say it's not an option. It's just it, right, not isn't enough. enough. And 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 we're talking, you know, out in the middle of nowhere, Turkey. However, just this past summer, we were on a road trip through the Midwest, and we were driving in Iowa and Kansas for hours. Yeah. And I'm not going to say there was no place to stop. But there were very few places to stop. And if it was something that you didn't really want to, a place that looked a little bit too shady for you or whatever, not just you, but anybody, you know, and we ended up one day, we did not eat lunch, quote unquote, until five o'clock. And then we probably wouldn't have eaten at this place either. It looks so sort of run down, but we were but there are no options. starving. So the point is... Yes, you want to know. Um, Have a plan on where you're going to eat. And make sure that you plan during the trip to yeah. have some snacks. Yes. Have or, contingency. Because in that particular case, driving through Iowa and Kansas uh, that you were talking about, we had actually left the, our planned route. And we took more of a back roads uh, drive through, <laughs> through the States. Which uh, we loved. Which was Excellent, except because there were back roads through very small towns. Yeah, there weren't really restaurants along the way. There were just very few eating options. And I'm sorry, but meat sticks and sugary donuts just aren't going to cut it after a while. You need some like, you know, need something real. So anyway, yeah. So you want to plan for your food. So you could pack some sandwiches in the morning. Uh, That's always a good way to do it. What are some other good options? Well, I think sandwiches are always good. Or you could just have a bottle of peanut butter and jelly yes. in your car all the time. Or crackers. Well, and that's my know, go-to is the peanut butter and jelly and the whole wheat Ritz crackers. You know, back in the day, it was potted meat or what were those? Vienna sausages. Yeah. However, Not for me. I mean, I always kind of bulked at those as a kid understandably maybe but now you can still have there's some canned things that are pretty good that you could have like i mean some good sardines with you know mustard or tomato sure. sauce or um smoked I mean, salmon smoked salmon yeah you can make a dip you can bring some good um crackers with you um there's lots of things that you could do that you wouldn't necessarily need to have a cooler but having a cooler is always of course a good idea as That's, well and this is one area where you know in, in other countries, there are better options where sometimes you it depends, can on the go, country, depends on the place. Yeah, it depends on the place. But there could be bakeries, there could be a butcher, there could be uh, a candlestick maker. <laughs> I think that's our running joke. 
but you can find things along the way. And that's also an option on a road trip anywhere. If you can find a supermarket that's open again on that trip through Iowa and Kansas or in the back country of Turkey, those weren't really options. Let me tell you, you if, you're in, with you. if you're in Belgium, eat, plan on eating lunch at the gas station. They always have the best gas station sandwiches. Mm, so good. Oh, yeah. That was a Q8. Yeah, Q8. Near Brussels, I think. Mm-hmm. They had excellent little baguette sandwiches. Mm. So delicious. Really tasty. Well, but you also need to be aware of restaurant closures. I mean, it's very common in these days right now that a restaurant that would maybe normally be open for business during the hours that you're looking is not open because of COVID-19. So be aware of that. This is a great time for road tripping since it's not a good time for air travel, but it will affect what's available. And we did talk about that a little bit on our pandemic. Right. um, After pandemic travel podcast. Um, But it's, but it's worth repeating that even though it's, Road tripping is great during COVID, during this pandemic, because you're isolated to the people you're always with anyway. And so you're only breathing in air of those people around you that you know well. And then you're out in the middle of nowhere or you're on a road and, you know, you stop to do things and wear your mask everywhere you go. But it has changed as far as what's open and what's available. And, and, And you do have to plan it. You have to sort of look ahead at the... Google map and say, okay, I should be eating lunch around this town. What should I go for when I'm there? Yes. Which for us is fun too. But but then make sure also that you have some alternates in mind because you might get there and find out that for some reason it's closed. It's more common that that's going to happen nowadays than it used to be in the past. It really is. Uh, and, and also in some areas of the world, if you're not eating during a specific time, a lunchtime or dinner time, if you're looking for food between two and five, there may not be anything open. So, you know, those you're, hours could could really be a factor as well. So my favorite story about this is Jim's sister um, and her boyfriend flew to Austria and they were going to drive through the Alps. Well, they did drive through the Alps. They had a wonderful time. So they did exactly what we're talking about. They flew in, they picked up a rental car, and then they did this huge road trip. And they had a great time, but they didn't, I think they missed lunch every single day. Right. Because Austria is very Austria, much a country that does where they were that. up in the Alps is, is very rural. And when the restaurant is finished, Serving lunch, it's finished serving lunch and it locks its doors until, like Jim said, five, five thirty six, yeah. and then it reopens. So <laughs> she she was talking to us on the phone and she was that was her one big complaint was that she they didn't get lunch the, the whole time they were there. They were really hungry. So just be aware. Yeah, and that's happened to us. It's uh, happened to us too. We're more aware of it now and and I think apps do a better job of showing you hours than they used to. So it's, I think it's not as big of a problem, but, but I've also you should be aware of it. That with the, one of the horrible things about the pandemic is that it's hard to keep up. They might say it's temporarily yes. closed. It might not say anything. It might be closed forever. Um, it's, it's, you know, I'm not saying don't check it or don't try and do that. But like Jim said, have backups because it's hard to keep up. People are closing left and right. Yes. So uh, bring food. Yes. Pack lunch. Um, you maybe have your camp stove and fuel 
in the back of your car and you can do some easily easy one pot meals. Um, or if nothing else, you can make some coffee and hot tea. Yeah, that's right. Uh, or bring some instant oatmeal. That's instant oatmeal good. is, well, you know what? It's like the perfect food to bring along because you can put it in water and it's quick, but you can also um, get go to the grocery store and get a yogurt and put, put it in, in the yogurt. yogurt. And then half an hour later, you'll have a heartier yogurt as well. And it's also serves as a good breakfast. If you're staying in a place that doesn't have breakfast or you don't have a breakfast option, it's good to have that. It's good to have something. I think if you're traveling in the States, almost everywhere has breakfast op- options, but yes. that's not true in other parts right. of the world. That's, that's a so. fact. Uh, we used to bring cold cereal, dry cereal, like Cheerios and stuff like that for the kids to snack on. That's a great snack as well. Well, back in the day, do you remember these? They used to have those big, huge, multi-variety packs. Like you'd have 12 different kinds of Kellogg cereal. Oh, yeah. And everybody fought over the Frosted Flakes and the, I don't know what there was. It always, like, you well, always what are those ended yellow up puffy things? The Corn Pops. Corn Pops. Oh, I miss Corn Pops. And then there were some that Never well, you got always eaten. got to the end and, and the Wheaties were left. Yeah. Or, or the Raisin Bran, although I love Raisin Bran. But those were so that always- that was good for me. Yeah, those were always fun because it's just like, oh, what am I going to have today? We've also had like a, a cooler that you plug in to the lighter and it keeps things cold that way. That's a great option as well. Uh, or just a cooler with, you know, frozen waters in it. So that way you have waters to drink that are cold as you go along and it keeps things cold for the day as well. And then at the end of the, at the end of the day of driving, if you're staying in a hotel, you can refill the water bottles and freeze them overnight and then you'll have it ready for the next day as well. But drink lots of water. It's very easy on a road trip to forget about water. Or to stop and get sugary drinks. Yeah, or coffees. You know, if you're young, we're not so young anymore, so that's not good for us. If you're young and you can handle it, you you do you, boo. But for me, I I just, I can't rely on those. Well, and I always tell people anyway, no matter your age, you still need to drink lots of water. That's true. You don't want your brain drying up. Uh, and if you stay away from, or at least limit your sugary caffeine drinks, you won't have to stop for bathroom breaks as often. Drinking the water, it really isn't what makes you need to go to the bathroom. It's the caffeine and those diuretics that make you need to. Yeah, but we all need coffee. I don't know about, I don't know about you, but I need coffee. Well, and I do like a good latte on the road in the morning. Especially in the fall. I know it's a road trip then. You know, the, uh, a coffee cup in one of the cop holders, uh, empty beer cans tumbling out the door when you stop. Beer cans. <laughs> Road trip. Yeah. No, don't this. drink and drive. Please don't. I, well, I do think we should talk about how you find good restaurants for places. The United States, again, is pretty simple. You basically look at all the different kinds of reviews in either right. Yelp or Google. Google. Google, Google Maps. But depending on where you're traveling, whether it's Canada or whether it's um, in Europe, say France, you, you've got to figure out which app they're using. And a lot of times you can do this before you go go on Reddit or something or go on a Facebook group and say, what is the best? What's re- the best app for finding reviews? What do, What do the locals use? And that way you can get because you don't want you don't want to do TripAdvisor. Not that TripAdvisor is necessarily bad, but typically 
TripAdvisor are people who are tripping. Yes, they're tourists. They're tourists, just like you. So they don't have a clue what's good in that town. It might have been tasty and they enjoyed it. Yeah. But they don't know. And they got good service. Yeah. But they don't know if that's like really good quality for that area as well as a local would. And maybe if it is a touristy restaurant, you're paying too much or there's lots of things that go into that. So it's best. One of the questions to ask before you go um, is to find out what What people people are doing reviews on. And we used to look at. How do locals find good restaurants? We used to even use it in Japan. What do they use in Japan? Do you remember? Oh, you stumped me. I okay. don't remember. We, yeah, we'll right look off. it up and we'll put it in the show notes. We'll, we'll look it up. But here's the thing. Or it'll of pop course, my head in a few minutes. It's always in Japanese, but that's not a problem because you use Google Translate on your phone. You use Google Translate. That's right. So, so no language should should be in a deterrent. In fact, you want to find those in the local language so that you know that you're getting the best. And you know, this is kind of a good food tip. Well, it's a good road trip tip anyway. If you are doing this internationally where English is not the language. So many people that I've talked to and I've told this don't know that you can put Google Translate on your phone and you don't need to type into it or speak into it. You can, but you can also just use the camera function. Hold the the phone up with the Google Translate running in photo mode and point your phone at the menu and it will translate it while you're looking at it. it- Right before your eyes. We were in Paris. Remember that? Paris. (laughs) First of all, translating menus anywhere in the world is just so much fun because of the way they speak versus the way that we speak. And anyway, we were in Paris and we're translating all the things. And it just, to me, it's magical. I mean, the letters even sort of move between before before your your eyes eyes into what you can read, not something you couldn't read is something you can read. So that's just magical to me. But then you read things like, uh, and I'm making this up, but something like um, lips of cow (laughs) um, loving the milk. And you're like, what the? It can give you some very interesting And really something simple like, you know, a steak with gravy. <laughs> I mean, I made that one up, but it is always fun to read those anyway. So whether beef cheeks, yeah, sous vide beef cheeks. Yeah. Yeah. That can be really, really interesting. And it's so much fun. Everybody's laughing. Um, well, okay. So the, the app that I like to use in Europe was the Michelin guide. Yes. I mean, everybody's heard of the Michelin guide, right? Two stars, one star Michelin chef. Well, it's not just for, Michelin finding stars. Michelin star restaurants. Um, if Michelin has reviewed a restaurant and given it, they have a whole a whole range of of levels that it can have. A bib gourmand. Uh, we always call it the knife and fork or the plate or two knives and forks. Uh, you can get some really good good reviews there and recommendations, and recommendations. because even having and they were never wrong. There, they were never wrong, never. And it's just even at a bib gourmand. Um, or uh, one one that they've reviewed is going to be pretty good to begin with because they've been invited there to review it. Yeah. Well, in their guide, they only are presenting what they recommend. Yeah. So it's so all good. If it's not in the guide, you know, maybe they just haven't eaten there. That's true. But probably they have and they just don't recommend it. So, you know, you do the math. I, in Europe, especially in France, I pretty much stuck with the Michelin Guide. 
uh, and it never failed us, like we said. Uh, All right. But, so you don't have an app. You have to go to the old standby where to eat. Oh, if you don't have an app, I think we may have mentioned this We've before. We've talked about this before. But really, you want to look for places that are turning over. Look for places that are busy. Which is sometimes hard. I mean, you're out in... Depending on how you travel and where you go, I mean, in the city, that's not hard. Obviously, if there's people in the in the restaurant, I mean, you know, make a decision. But if you're out in the middle of nowhere, you're out in the middle of nowhere. And you, you may might not, not have, have a, a lot choice. of options anyway. Do you remember? Okay, so we were in Australia and we were in the outback and we were coming back from Andara, which is this, if you go to Australia up in uh, New Queensland, is that what it's called? In Queensland. In Queensland, um, there's a place called Andar and it's fantastic. And we were driving back from there and we went through a town called, called Mount Surprise. Mount Surprise. And there was not much to this town. No. Not much at all. But you know what there was? A cafe that had so many trucks outside of it. <laughs> all the truck drivers had gone there to eat dinner. And it was closing. We got there like at six thirty, and it was closing like at seven thirty or something. Um, and yeah, it was a good meal, and it was. It, and we knew we were in the right place because here's the whole line of trucks outside. We had to hike up the hill half a block because it was so much people parking there. Yeah. So look for the lines. Look for the lines. Look for the fresh food, the the freshly roasted pig coming off the sti- off the spit in Croatia or the lambs and the camels tied up in front. Oh, don't say alive. that. It's so true. You know it's going to be fresh. They're true. It's th- these are true things. Delicious uh, too. But look for where the people are. Okay. Uh, where to stay. So okay. here's another, another choice, I guess that you need to make in planning. Maybe you want to do a camping trip. Maybe you just want to stay in hotels. Maybe you want to do a hybrid and do a mix of both. Um, we've done glamping road trips where in uh, in Botswana, for instance, where we self-drove between different uh, safari parks and we stayed in luxury tents each place we went. Or rondevilles, which is like or a little hut. Um, or other levels of tents. Yeah. I mean, campgrounds. if you're traveling, if you're road tripping in Africa as a foreigner, typically you're going to be staying in pretty nice places. And even if it is tense, they're going to be like, I think the one of the least fancy, I'm sure it was a zero star was a quote unquote glamping where we had <clears throat> these huge tents with two little cots in them. Um, and, you know, a, a camping area where you didn't have a bathroom as part of it. That Most of them, at least had their own um, bathroom facilities and stuff. But this was the lowest of the low uh, that we had stayed in. And it was still very comfortable. Yeah. And there was an overlander truck there. Lots of people stopped at this place, including Prince Harry. We know for a fact because mm-hmm. we saw him there. Yeah. Um, he didn't stay there, though. He just came for lunch. He didn't stay there. He just came to talk to the he owner. He was on his own road trip. Have lunch. Well, he was on a boat trip. So, but you know, these are choices you got to make up front. They're going to affect what you bring, of course, um, but they're also going to affect if you need to make reservations along the route. And here's where some spontaneity kind of kicks in. If you're really spontaneous, you may not want to make a reservation for each night of your trip on a place to stay. Um, 
and we've done that in quite a few different places where, uh, in fact, in Greece, we are doing a road trip from Athens up into Delphi and then all the way up to Thessalonica. And we would just make our reservations on the road a couple hours before we knew where we were going to need to stop. Uh, and booking.com worked just fine for that. I think there's only one place where we booked a place two hours down the road. We got there and they didn't have the reservation. So we had to scramble and find a place for that night. But otherwise, other than that, it worked perfect. Um, but ideally, you'll know in the morning how far you're going to get that day where you want to stop for the night. And you can make the reservation that way. You can do that. But or, I don't like just rolling into a town. It depends on what time you're rolling in. There's nothing worse than being hungry and cranky and tired. And not having a place to stay. And not having stay, a place to stay, in and, my opinion. And finding out that every place you stop doesn't have something available. Yeah, you don't want to be in that position. So make reservations for the whole trip if you want to, but that doesn't allow for spontaneity. Or just do it sort of on the way as you go. Yeah. One time, <laughs> the really bit us in the butt because we didn't make reservations. And here we are driving and we get to the hotel the night before and we're in the mountains of Italy. And so we, we know we're staying in Italy, in Italy. We're going to another town in Italy. We know where we're going. We look it up on booking. We book it and we get there and they're like, uh, no, no, we didn't get there. What did we do? We checked it. What happened exactly? We found out at okay. some point. We're on the way to the hotel and I get a text telling me oh, about the upcoming trip, which is only a couple hours away. We think only a couple hours away. And it ends up that this was my bad. I think if if it's the same one you're thinking of. It is. I booked a hotel that was named for the place where we were heading because there was a hotel that, that we've stayed in with a very similar name. And so it was the place name. I forget it. Maybe forget it was. Too. But the, the point but was. It ended that up was being the... a hotel that just happened to have the same village name that we were going to in its name. But it was. On the other side of Italy somewhere. Like seven hours yeah. past or something. So we ended up having to cancel that. Luckily, we figured it out before we actually got there. So we could cancel it. And then we booked another place. And yeah. it, really, it, well, it, we it just, turned out as it wasn't a problem at all. We just showed up at the hotel that we thought we had the reservation in anyway. Told them the funny story. Luckily, they had a room and it wasn't an issue. Yeah. And we stayed there a few times. That was a That's a great place. Yeah. I don't remember the name of it off the top of my head. We'll get it. We'll put it in the show notes. Okay. Um, okay. So other reservations you really need to think about if you're camping. Used to be you could just roll up and camp somewhere. You can still find some places where that's not a problem. Um, but if it's a national park, if it's a, a really popular one, especially, you really need to make those reservations pretty far in advance. We've been to, I don't know, 20 national parks this summer. This last few months and every single one of them has been completely booked for camping yeah completely booked 100 percent. so if you're going to camp of course you need to bring everything you need for camping um and then we've done what like like i said what i call camping light where we bring everything we need we need for camping we've got a tent we've got a sleeping bags uh we've got all that stuff we usually bring a small stove where we can at least make hot drinks uh, like you were saying but we don't really plan on eating any meals in the campground because who wants to deal with all that cleanup? You're on a road trip. 
It's not a camping trip. The camping is just a place to stay along the way. That's usually got some really beautiful nature and you know, you're out in the woods. That's great stuff. But the road trip is to actually go somewhere and experience the food and experience the food. So we just get up and go get breakfast somewhere or, or pack up and hit the road for the next destination. That's that sort of thing. So it's not camping light is not going on a camping trip. It's just, it's your accommodations, it's your accommodations for, your road trip. for the trip. And we've done that where we've done it millions of times, a lot of places. Maybe not millions, um, and we've also f- done some where we didn't bring the camping gear, but you could still find places in campgrounds to sleep, which is really a good option sometimes. And yeah, we have done that in Prince Edward Island. Uh, we stayed in a fifth wheel that was in a campground that they were just renting out by the night. Uh, and that was an amazing, an amazing stay. We were right on this grassy field overlooking uh, the beach and the water out in around us. And uh, it's beautiful. And we were, weren't camping on that trip at all. Uh, we also stayed in, we found in Australia on that trip. Australia, we Queensland did it the whole to way. Brisbane. We yeah. stayed in a lot of campgrounds where they had cottages in the campgrounds. And they, well, they even have them here in the States too. They like definitely KOAs do. KOAs have cottages. A lot of campgrounds too. Um, a lot too. of places have yurts. Um, and like Jim said, even, you know, RV parks sometimes will have um, people running out their RV or whatever. Right. So there's lots of choices. If you are bring, coming camping, then you need to bring, you know, a few things. Um, Jim's all about the food. So <laughs> if you're going to cook if while you're going to cook, then you need, you know, just the basic stuff, stove and gas. Make sure you have the right propane hookup. We have a little um, nonstick frying pan for yeah, cooking eggs. But we also actually things. our camping equipment thing, other than the stove, we bring our frying pan, we bring a water pot that you can plug in or heat up. We have both. Um, like and then a couple of of things that we always need. And we actually take those to Airbnbs too because Sure, because you never know what you're I'm gonna get. I'm pretty picky about the pan that I cook my eggs in. So that could go both ways. It just depends on what you like to eat. For us, we actually love eating out breakfast, but we're it's also the one we're going to skip because who, why spend that extra 20 bucks when you don't need to? Right. That's right. Uh, and you know, one of the things that I kind of was an aha moment for me this, this summer as we were traveling around was seeing those campgrounds, most state parks, in the campgrounds have electric and water hookups at the oh, sites yeah. for the trailers, but you don't need to be in a trailer to stay in those sites. You could be in a tent and have electricity at your tent site. And maybe we're the last to come to this party. Well, there's plenty of people who knew about there it. There were plenty of people in tents who had, who were at the electric stations and they had their, um, their plug-in, grills and they had their coffee pots and strip lights and stereos and that's right lots of lights and tv yeah they had all kinds of stuff and and jim and i look at each other like we would have never thought of that right it's pretty genius so you have to be careful when you're packing your car for a road trip not to overpack yeah it's really easy to say hey i'm taking the car and take all this stuff and then you end up with a super full car uh yeah you and and Packing along things that you never ended up using. So be I get careful. annoyed if I pack something I don't use. Yeah. At myself. 
I'm going to get annoyed at myself. And then I make sure I don't pack it the next time. <laughs> um, so, of course, you want your photography equipment. Even if you're using an iPhone, a good thing to have for that is your stabilizer. I was taking some road trip um, video yesterday, just yesterday. Through the Chinook Pass in Washington. It was gorgeous. Amazing fall and colors. And here I am holding my iPhone. And where's my stabilizer? Back at Back the at house. Home. And I'm going up and down as we're going over these roads and beautiful trying to get pictures of Mount Rainier. So just get one of those stabilizers. It makes life so much better, especially if you're going to be taking videos because we all love videos. Come on. And make sure also that you check before you leave that you have all your cables to charge everything, extra batteries, all that stuff. These are all things that should be on your packing list. Uh, And for the car, of course, Make sure you've got your USB chargers that reach in the back if someone's sitting in the back. Uh, and, oh, I saw in this one car this last summer again, they had iPad holders for the back seats. So, Which is perfect for the kids. They were all watching their own movie. Yeah. Now, we don't recommend that you let your kids watch movies <laughs> down through a whole road would, trip. Yeah, for the whole road but trip. But there's certainly going to be times where that's a good thing for them to do. Well, there is a point. There is a point when everybody's done. Yeah. That's the point. And and you still have an hour of driving yeah, time or exactly. an hour and a half of driving time. And, and that you or have to go. We trained our kids when they were nice and young. You can yell and scream and fight and pinch and do whatever, as well as we're not on a road that's in the middle of a city. You get to a city. It's quiet time. It's quiet time. And and it's hilarious because if you rode with us to this day, we'll be making all kinds of noise and we'll drive in a city, um, you know, drive into the city and everybody quiets down because that's when we're looking for things. That's when there's the traffic that you're not used to. Unfamiliar. You're not used to the roads. So it's just the radio's funny. off. So I would say no that would be aware nowadays, a, a time nowadays when you would want to use that. So the kids are quiet and working and doing their own thing. Yeah. So make sure you have all the cables for all that stuff. Uh, I have a little zip zipper bag that I keep all that stuff in. Okay. Um, the other thing you need to plan for the road is money. In some places you can roll around for days without having any cash and just whip out your credit card and pay for everything as you go. In it's some not a problem. places, Sweden they're not going to take your cash. There are some places where they won't take cash. So you need to know before you go if it's a cash society or not. Nowadays, it's fewer and fewer places that will yeah. not take cash. That's nice. But they still exist. Yeah. I loved, I used to love watching Jim go to the ATMs in Uganda. We were in Uganda <laughs> for an a two-week road trip. And it was the first time was the funniest of all. He gets up there, and this is me watching from the car. I just think this is so hilarious. The next thing I know, Jim's got some man like leaning over him. And I'm thinking, is that guy trying to steal? You know, you never know, right? Is that guy trying to steal from him? And then he's like pointing to him. I don't know what he was doing. I mean, you can well, explain, but it just looked hilarious. And then he got more and more people around him. Well, first of all, I say to bring cash because you want cash for emergencies, but you don't want to bring all cash because you don't want to get robbed. And what we found is you can use an ATM almost everywhere. So in Uganda, that's how you got cash was at the ATM. They were trying to go cashless, but it really wasn't working. And you really couldn't get, you couldn't pay for things without cash. So ATMs at the banks were the place to go. And they were always super crowded. We're talking like lines of 20 people. And when I'm talking about a line in Uganda at an ATM, 
uh, it's almost a scary the first few times that you do it because it seems like their idea of personal space is completely different than my idea of personal space. So everyone is standing two inches apart. Like really they're, they're brushing up against you front and back. Even if you're at the machine. And it's really a community event using the ATM. <laughs> a community event. Really, because you're right. He wanted to help me, even though I knew what I was doing. And I certainly didn't want him seeing my pin. But before that, what you didn't see was an older lady who was lost. She didn't know how to use it. And so the two or three people behind her in line were helping her use the ATM, helping her put in her pin, helping her select how much money to get out. It's a wonder to me that no one gets robbed that way. But it, I never saw any problems and I never had any problems. I did make sure I shielded my, my pin as I was putting it in. But if they wanted to show me those different screens, it was all in English. I don't think I've ever had to use an ATM anywhere in the world. I didn't that have, didn't an, have English an English option. option. Yeah, me neither. So uh, an ATM is really the best bet. Plan on using the ATMs and bring a credit card. Bring two different credit cards in case one gets locked. Um, and have a way to be able to contact your bank before you leave, contact your bank, contact your credit card company. There's usually a form you can fill out online or you can call them and tell them I'm going to be traveling internationally. Um, that way your card won't get locked. And I think the banks are getting better at that. Yeah. I think they've had a sketchy history. I've definitely gotten locked out before when I've done that, but that was ATMs everywhere. You know, I always try to make sure it's in a bank lobby or at least on a bank wall, it's less likely likely to have been tampered with. Uh, in Turkey, they were everywhere. You would just see these little ATM kiosks, like in a neighborhood. It was bizarre. But I like that. I mean, you could always get cash. Uh, we talked about the phones. Bring your cables. Of course, we have forgotten cables before. It's not a huge deal. I think we've done every, we've made every mistake in the book before, for sure. And with phones, especially, I mean, from leaving phones on the airplane to not having charging cables to dropping them in an ocean to you name it, we've done it. Having them stepped on in Uganda. Oh, yeah. 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 Having them stepped on, crushing the. Yeah. Well, um, but if you're bringing a phone internationally, especially. You really need to be aware of what your plan covers. Does it cover international travel? How much international travel does it cover? Uh, We have been using Google Fi lately, um, which actually works great for international. Uh, It's the same rate no matter where you are. Sometimes there's a bit of delay when you first get into a new country as it picks up the system. Um, But it's it's great because we don't ever have to pay extra for international. you can, and we've done this too, before we got Google Fi, you can usually get a SIM for pretty cheap. It, it, to me, it was always astounding how much cheaper data rates are in Europe than they are in the US. Uh, you could get a 12 euro SIM card to put in your phone that's going to give you five to 10 gigabytes of data, which is enough for a one or two week trip. And they're usually pretty easy to use. You can buy them in Europe. You can buy them at kiosks, at Phone stores, tobacco stands, supermarkets. You have to have an unlocked phone, though. You have to have an unlocked phone, and it's usually pretty easy to do it yourself. You might yeah, need to be in a Wi-Fi. It's hard to get area. an unlocked phone a lot of times in the yeah, states. Yeah. You really, when you're getting your next phone, you need to look into that because it does make life easier if you decide to do international travel. Yeah. If you don't, then it's. You know, I've always whatever. 
bought my own phone. I'd never have gotten a phone through a, through a phone plan. And that's when it's going to be locked if you're getting it through a phone plan. Uh, but that's my, my choice. And after you've paid for the phone, if you are on a plan, you can take it in and ask sometimes them to unlock it. Will. And yeah. sometimes, most times they will. Not always though. It depends on that. Uh, but it's a good question to ask if you're switching plans. Can I unlock my phone? When can I unlock my phone? And just be aware of that. Nowadays, leaving your home empty is a lot easier than it used to be because they have um, all these systems where you can set up on a rotating basis when to turn lights on, right. when you turn them off, things like that. Get ring cameras. But some of the things that you want to make sure that you're not doing is posting on social media when you're leaving, the dates of your trip, um, where you're going, how long you're going to be gone, um, and all that kind of stuff because that will definitely maybe yeah. bring some people out of the woodwork that you don't want coming around your house. And it's also good to have a ring or a webcam. Yeah. And you have a family member. If you've got someone or a friend in the area that can just swing by every couple of days and make sure like no deliveries have been made and or, or mails piling up somewhere. Uh, just make, you know, those, those common sense things that sometimes we forget about and, you know, turn off your oven Unplug, unplug your appliances before you leave. And if you're traveling with a partner, they do the same exact thing after you've done it just to be sure. So you don't get halfway down the road and say, did I leave the coffee pot on? Yes, I did. The other person can say, well, if you did, I turned it off. Yeah. And you just have that in your mind of you remembered doing it. My mother-in-law has a check sheet for everything and she has check sheets for this. And, yeah. and, and you know what, we're probably going to go that way too, because as you get older, you what, especially it's not just as you get older, but there's just too much to remember all the time. And I don't know about anybody else in the world, but even out of the many thousands of times that we've been on road trips, we're still rushing to get out the door in yeah. the morning. I don't know what that is. It's just poor planning on our part, I guess. Well, um, you know, finally, it's a road trip. You're going to have a vehicle, whether it's your own vehicle or a rental vehicle. You still need to be ready with your documentation. Make sure you've got your license before you leave. If you're traveling international, it's not as common anymore that you need an international driver's license, but it's also not hard to get. You just head out to your local AAA, whether you're a member or not, it doesn't matter. Uh, and they'll get you an international driver's license pretty much the same day. It's not like you have to take a test for it or anything like that. An international driver's license is really, it's just a translation of your current driver's license so into multiple languages. It's good for either one year or expires when yours expires. Yeah. Meaning that if you... If if you have a year on your license, it'll be the whole year. But right. if you don't, if you're if if this is April and yours um, expires in November, then it's only good till November. Right. But you know, um, and your insurance, of course, copy your passports page. All these things are really important things. Take a photo of your license plate because you're going to need it when you're checking into hotels or whatever. Yep. But the other things that you want to make sure that you have are health insurance cards on you um maybe nowadays your vaccination card yes um you want to have prescriptions um either take a picture of the meds that you're taking or um a copy of the prescription itself because 
you never know what's going to happen. A lot of people, this just happened over the last two years where people were stuck in places they were only planning on going for a couple of weeks or a month. And they were end up being there for 18 months to two years. So um, just try to be a little bit more aware that um, it's good to have your information with yeah, you. So you take those photos and you email them to yourself and then they're always in your email. Um, but I also take photos and put them on a note, like an Apple note on my phone. So it's embedded right in there and I can put notes about it too. So that's a good way to do it. Well, you know, when it comes to getting out the door and getting on your road trip, we always sit down in the car before we leave and we say, do "Do we have our meds? Do we have our, our money? Uh, And is there one more thing we need? Meds and money. Oh, clean underwear. Well, I like, (laughs) I like my camera equipment. But if you've got your meds it depends on and you what got your, most your money, things are to you're you. going to survive. Yeah. I mean, you can buy toothpaste anywhere. It's not a big deal. Well, this was the second of our part two of road tripping. And we hope we gave you lots of travel tips and ideas. Um, but I, we, I mean, we love to road trip. We do it all the time. We've done it in so many countries. I've lost count. So if you're planning a road trip or if you're thinking... You know, maybe is this country a good place? Just ask us. Join our join our private Facebook group, Streets and Eats, and ask the question in there. That's what it's for. We want to keep the conversation yeah. going, and we want you to get your questions answered and have a great trip. And there's just so much more to talk about. Ciao, Ciao for, for now. now.